Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 3. And seeing the multitudes, now remember that you look backwards to look forwards often, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus has just been with a group of people, northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. This has become his home base. Matthew's gospel records this incredible time that Jesus has gathered together all of these people, and everyone, chapter 4 ends with, that came to him, he healed them. So there's been this massive move of the Spirit. People that were sick and diseased with all kinds of things have been coming to Jesus. Here's the strange thing. People are attracted to supernatural events. And so Jesus has been doing supernatural things. And sometimes people come to the Lord for the wrong reason. They're actually not coming because they want their life transformed. They do not want their mind renewed. They don't want to be actually walking in the spirit. They just simply have a need that they want met. And while that's not inherently evil, it is the wrong reason. We come to Christ so that our lives can be transformed and our minds renewed so that we can be like Jesus, not just simply be healed of some sickness or disease, not be made rich, not get a bigger house, not get a new job. All of those things may or may not happen, but God will always transform your heart and always transform your mind. He'll renew what was broken. And so Jesus is now going to begin what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It will last for several chapters, but it begins with 12 verses that we call the Beatitudes. And so we begin with these words, and seeing the multitudes, he went up onto a mountain. This mountain is just above the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, has a Catholic church seated right on the middle of it. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Notice this crowd is the multitudes plus the disciples, and we're going to find out plus Jewish religious leadership. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, and the first of these wonderful things that will happen to you When you give your life to Christ, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Up until this point in Matthew's gospel, the words of Jesus have been very limited. He hasn't really been recorded as saying too terribly much. And as he begins now to minister in this incredible environment of this multitude that's scattered on the hillside, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus, no doubt, is below them, teaching up to them, and they're all looking down at the lake. I don't know how many of you have been 
to the Hawaiian Islands, but a lot of the churches in Hawaii actually meet in parks and do that type of thing. And you're sitting there in a beach chair looking out at the waves and there's turtles bobbing in the surf and you're like, oh man, I don't know what he said, but that was awesome. (laughs) So the people are looking at this incredible view. They're staring out at God's creation and here's the creator that's speaking to them. And he's going to say some things that are going to challenge them and challenge you. These things, let me just be very clear, all of them, are impossible for someone who does not know the Lord. And they're not easy for those of us who do know the Lord. They are a challenge. And that is why they're essential to the life of a believer. Because we need that which is our natural tendency, our natural direction. You see, most of us, this is going to shock some of you, we're kind of prideful. We're a little bit arrogant. We're kind of self-centered. You can say amen anytime if I hit something at you. Because I'm feeling a little alone up here right now. <laughs> okay, all right, we got, we got one fellow sinner. You see, we are not naturally inclined to be like Jesus. We're naturally inclined to be very different than Jesus. We want what we want when we want it. Amen? And so Jesus now is going to tell us how to be blessed people. How to be really and truly happy. Now before you get too far along in your thinking, it helps us to define what beatitude is, what something that truly makes you happy is, because it isn't the things that you think it is. And that's the whole content of this message, because we're prone to think if we just have more money, we'll be happy. If we just get our way, we'll be happy. If we're at the top of the heap instead of somewhere near the bottom, we'll be happy. And Jesus is going to tell us that these things are not as important as you think they are. Now before, again, you get too far along in your thinking, Jesus doesn't come against being wealthy. Jesus doesn't come against being powerful. He's not saying that those things don't have a place. But the average person is not ever going to be in those extraordinary situations. And so Jesus now boils it down to what really matters for you And what really matters for me in your life, in our lives as believers. I want you to notice something. These are conditional blessings. The Bible is filled with both conditional and unconditional blessings. Conditional ones simply mean that there is something you need to do to receive that blessing. These are conditional Every one of them begins with something that you should be, and the result is a blessing. So the point is, if you're not those things, then the blessing doesn't naturally follow. doesn't mean you won't ever see it. doesn't mean you can't get it necessarily. But it means the path to that blessing is being what God has called you to be. You see, your salvation is free. It's a gift. It is not conditioned at all. It's a grace gift to you by believing on the only begotten Son of God. When you believe on his name, you are saved, period. End of conversation. That's unconditional. 
But a lot of the things in your life that have to do with how you experience life are conditional. Your blessings flow from obedience. Don't forget that. Blessings flow from obedience. Disobedient children are not blessed kids. Obedient children are blessed kids. You can see that in your own parenting skills, amen? I'm assuming that most of you reward good behavior, and you probably have something to say about bad behavior, and it's usually not as good as the blessings of the good behavior. Why is that? Because we're trying to instill good habits in our children, right thinking in our children. We want them to understand things from the perspective of someone who's lived life and knows that if you continue down that path, it's going to end in a very, very bad place. Do you not think that the God who authored your life knows exactly the direction you ought to walk? The rules, the guidelines by, how, by which you should live, do you not think that God knows those? And so he's going to lay out these wonderful, what we could call, blessitudes. You can call them anything you want. But they're the things that we ought to be and do if we really want to be like Jesus. And that is the goal, isn't it? The sanctified life looks a whole lot like Jesus. And so in the beginning of this word, the word blessed, the Greek word makarios, is simply, it can be blissful or fortunate. It has all kinds of different meanings to it. It, it, The Greek poets used it in lots of different ways. But if you look at the general condition that's being described here, it, it is something where there's a lack of poverty, there isn't disease, there's no weakness, there's no misfortune. It actually results in you being in in that state to where your experience is the best it can possibly be. Now, here's the crazy thing. It doesn't mean that you won't get sick. It means that in sickness, you'll have that James attitude, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you fall into diverse trials. That joy is an internal joy. It's not an external joy. Cancer still is awful. Poverty is still horrific. Personal problems still pain our souls. But we can count those things appropriately and accurately as things about which God would say to us, Jeff, I am your joy. I am your strength. I am your peace. When you're in me, you're going to be okay. And if you're looking to the world for that kind of joy, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to ever find it. It's joy that only comes from knowing God and living your life for him. And so the definition, which is used by a vast majority of those who authored the Bible, David, blessed be God. He actually says as an exclamation point, God is himself blessed and he wants us to be that way. You see, the life that's lived in Christ is the blessed life. That's why the Apostle Paul says what he says as he writes to the church at Philippi. As he writes to Timothy, the glorious gospel of the blessed God. You see, when God 
authored your life, when he knit you and formed you in your mother's womb, he has had a plan from before eternity. He knows exactly what will bless you, and he knows exactly what will curse you. He knows how you ought to live your life, and so he's giving us general guidelines that lead towards a blessed life. And it's the blessedness of believers. Now notice this, and I want you to see it for what it is. Jesus is speaking to disciples, believers, people who know him. And while these principles do universally apply to everyone, they are procured, they are the reality of those who actually know the Lord. Because someone without the Lord is not going to find much blessing in being persecuted. Why? Because they don't see the persecution correctly. They don't see forgiveness as necessary. They don't see the things they need to see because those things are spiritually appraised. The carnal mind, as Paul said, cannot know them. And so what ultimately happens is when you're talking about these beatitudes, these attitudes that will change the way you think and the way you live, is it becomes very clear that by normal human standards, things like humility are not really valued all that much. A desire for righteousness, having mercy. No, we really are not merciful people without Christ. We have a tendency to want to extract the payment for whatever wrong has happened to us. We don't want to be merciful. We actually want to be exactly the opposite. I want retribution. I want to get my pound of flesh. That's who human beings actually are for the most part. Your children, when they were little, you ever noticed how it didn't matter how precisely you sliced cake? Whichever piece seemed to be the larger one could be the icing was thicker. Just put something on there that is a little more desirable. What do the kids do? I didn't get me. He got the bigger, he got the bigger piece. It's who we are, it's what we do. That's your flesh. And your flesh has been like that since you were born. And here's the good news. Your flesh is still there. And your flesh wants to be satiated. It's in the background going, I'm here. Jesus is helping us defeat the flesh. Beat that flesh back where it belongs. It no longer rules. It no longer reigns. To the natural man, to immature Christians, to carnal Christians, this whole sermon sounds like misery by another name, not blessings. I'm not doing that. But this is the king's message about kingdom's life. This is Jesus telling us what kind of life you're going to live when you get to heaven, essentially. And he wants us to begin that journey now. Part of our problem is we have the wrong view of the kingdom. We think that it's just something later. And it's for today. You're to live kingdom lives today. You're to have the life of Christ in you today. 
Your, your life is now hidden in him, the Apostle Paul said, so that the life that you live, you no longer live for yourself, you live for him. That is a B attitude. That's who you ought to be. The problem is, that's not who I am. In this message, now we anybody else sick of the QR codes in the middle of restaurant tables? Uh, just take your phone and take a picture of that. It's like, okay, can you bring me a magnifying glass so I can see it now? You know what I'm saying? And so now the same thing is true when you get a piece of equipment, you buy a TV. Well, just scan the QR code. Oh, great. It's in .02 font, and I'm blind as a bat, and it's 875 pages on your phone. You're like... (laughs) The reason they do that is the manufacturer produced all of this information to tell you what they built. Here's how this thing works. This is the manual written by the manufacturer about how you work as a believer. That's what it is. This is God going, here's who you are. This is how you're supposed to work. And if you press this button, it's going to be okay. But don't hit that one. I don't know how many of you have made the mistake of, oh, I'll hit the reset button. That sounds like a good idea. And then you realize it goes back to the factory settings, right? All of your personal information that you've entered into your phone for 10 years instantaneously is gone. Well, you see on your phone that's bad, but in your life that's really good. Because you want to be reset to the factory settings. You want to be what the manufacturer made you to be. And that's what the Beatitudes are. It's the manufacturer going, here's how you work. This is when you're at your best. Any of you had the bad habit of not clearing the cash on your cell phone to get rid of all that stuff that you've looked up online? And then your phone, all of a sudden, it takes like three days to bring anything up. It's all junked up, right? You got all this useless information that's in there. That's what the world does to us. Our minds are filled with useless information that junks up the hard drive called your brain, which then affects the way you live your life so that when you start to work on anything, you have to process all this junk that's stored in there that does absolutely no good. But it is confusing. Church, the blessedness that we experience is for the body of Christ. It's believers. And this stuff is very paradoxical. When you look at it, it's kind of the opposite of how you naturally function. It's antithetical to the world that we live in. These things are opposites. They're polar opposites in most cases. One direction versus another. Interesting thing. Pilate was speaking to Jesus shortly before he was crucified. 
And Pilate said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Or in John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus actually replied to this question. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting. That I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom's not of this realm. Jesus was making a distinction between that which we are supposed to be and that which actually is the reality of the world that we live in. He's saying, look, my kingdom's not of this world. You cannot expect to look at the world around you and see kingdom principles, but you can expect to see something other than the kingdom in this world because this world is not the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. If you remember, they actually tried to make Jesus king. Why? Because they wanted political reformation. They wanted Jesus to square away Rome. Basically, get rid of Rome, set up your kingdom right now, and oh, by the way, that's why James and John said, can I be on the right and can I be on the left in your kingdom? They figured it was going to happen today, and I get to be the vice president, you get to be the secretary of state of kingdom, Jesus. And so what happens here is we find out the value that is dear in the kingdom. And it's not political value. It's not social value. It's not military value. It's not the value of power. It's not the value of possessions. It's the value of humility and meekness and suffering for the cause of others. It's the exact opposite. If I came to you and I said, you know what? We've got this new corporation, and we want to hire a bunch of people to be abused. (laughs) Would you like to be the most persecuted person in the South Bay right now? Because we've got a job for you. You'd all go, Pastor Jeff has lost it. We knew it. (laughs) There was something going on. No, it's so backwards from the world. Nobody's joining that corporation. But that is who we are in Christ. We are often the exact opposite of the way this world works. (laughs) Excuse me. Helps to understand the world that Jesus was preaching to. During that time, there were four basic groups of people, primary religious groups, And each one of them kind of catered to a different group of people. Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. Each of them catered to a different group of people. Each of them catered to a different group of people. Look at who they are. Because these four groups still exist in our world today. The Pharisees were were basically legalists, religionists. They were people, our way is the right way, everyone else's way is the wrong way. If we don't do it that way, then you're wrong however you do it. They were sticking to their guns on absolutely everything. There was no debate, and they loved tradition. There's a whole lot of churches like that. 
The Sadducees were the exact opposite of the Pharisees. But when it came to Jesus, they joined together. You always find the Sadducees, even though they hated each other and had the exact opposite doctrine, because the Sadducees were the liberals. They didn't believe that there was truth. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in sanctification. They actually didn't believe that what you did with your body even mattered. It was only what you thought in your heart or your mind. Oh yeah, there are churches just like that. The third group, the Essenes. You all know them because most of you have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were authored by the Essenes. They were the radical homeschoolers. And by that, I'm not against homeschooling, I want to be very clear here, but they're the people who they have the barbed wire around their house and the electric gate and the fence that's 12 feet high. And you also don't want to go near that because you're probably going to get shot. They were ascetics. And so what they did is they said, we're the only ones that really have it right, so we're going to get together in our little compound And if we just stay in here, nobody will ever be able to get to us. Oh yeah, there are churches like that too. And by the way, these four groups exist in humanity as well. So they were the people who were isolationists. They were the people that you would get, well, you know, we just, we just have it right, so we're going to cluster over here in our own little thing. And then the fourth group is the zealots. They're the ones that said, if you don't believe what we believe, we'll just kill you. <laughs> and yes, those people exist today too, don't they? You can find all four of these groups in the news almost every day, both in religion and in politics This is kind of humanity described in four basic groups. So they were all into political activism. Their church was the first church of we're right and you're wrong. Jesus is speaking to all four groups. And he's saying, you know what? You're all off a little bit. No, he didn't say that the law was wrong. He didn't say that righteousness was wrong. He didn't say that we should be different than the world was wrong. He's saying that when you take all those things and go to an extreme, you're going to end up in a place that God never intended you to be. Because I don't care how much you stick your kid, put your kids, bury them. I can't believe I'm saying this. Don't do this literally. If you take your children at birth and you bury them in a cargo container in your backyard and you show them Billy Graham crusades from the time they are born to the time they turn 18, guess what? They're still going to be sinners that need a Savior. Amen? Amen? They will. Why? Because they have a sin nature. They have a sin nature. So it doesn't, the, the environment is not going to change the heart. The heart has to be transformed and renewed by the mind coming to t- terms with the gospel. And so you you can't just segregate people and say, okay, well, now it's going to be fine, because that doesn't fix it. It didn't fix it then. It's not going to fix it now. The importance of these Beatitudes is mind-boggling. You see, Jesus actually, when he confronted the Pharisees, he said, now you Pharisees, you have a habit of cleaning the outside of your cups and your dishes. 
But insides, you yourselves are full of greed and wickedness, you fools. This is Luke chapter 11, verses 39 to 41. Did not one who make the outside make the inside too? So what do you think the issue is that Jesus is getting at? It's not your environment. It's your heart. What's going on inside of here? You understand it here? And it comes to terms with everything else in your life right here. Transitions between your head and your heart. And so he's speaking to an issue that's much deeper than those four groups of people. It's going to show us there's an absolute necessity for you to be born again. It's why Jesus will say, he's going to speak this often, whether directly or indirectly, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. He is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. There is no other way. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's no other way. It's that simple. You're either born again or you're not born again. You're either alive in Christ or you're not alive. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. There's two types of people, saints and ain'ts. You're in or out. Broad road, narrow road. You're going through the right gate or the wrong gate. It's that simple. A second thing. Jesus is driving us that he's the only solution. So when he says, I am the way, he's not saying I'm one of many ways. He's saying there are no other ways and any other way is the false way. You see, the gospel is incredibly exclusive if you look at it only in that light. The good news is, to all who call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So it's not exactly a religion in that sense. You see, yes, it's exclusive and there's only one way, but anyone who wants it can have it. The Beatitudes presume upon these facts. In other words, I can't meet these standards if I'm not one of God's kids. I'm not going to be blessed. You see, it starts with salvation. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you're automatically in the blessed club. Because if everything else in your life goes wrong, you're still going to heaven. Amen? Amen? Third thing. This is God's plan. You know, sometimes we, we kind of treat life, well, I'm a believer, but everything else is an accident. No, God ha- actually has a plan for your life. Detail upon detail mapped out before you were ever born. And he knows which way you should go. And so he's about to map some of these things out for us so that we stay off the wrong road. Isn't it weird that as it is with, you know, we're blessed. Look, we have Google Maps on our phones, right? Or Apple Maps, whichever one you want. They both do the same thing. They operate off of GPS. Why do they work? Because the information that they are gathering comes from the global positioning satellite system. It's not earth-oriented. It's from heaven, That information comes from heaven, so it always knows where you are in a relative sense to everything else that's on this earth. That's why it works. God knows everything. He sits above your whole life, and he knows exactly what road you should go down. 
He knows what attitude you should have about everything. And so in that sense, he's telling you, I see things that you can't see, Jeff. I see the results of going down that road. I'm in heaven. You're on earth. One of the craziest things about being involved in search and rescue, which I was for about six years, is people can get lost in the most bizarre places. Why? It's all about reference. They can't see. And so when they're in a dense forest in the bottom of a canyon, they have a tendency to have their perspective is altered. If they would just go to the mountaintop, they could see all the way down the whole canyon and know which way to go. But they get caught up in the minutia of, well, the creek's in front of me, the rock's in front of me, the tree's in front of me. And they keep going around the same tree and the same rock and the same stream. They are so lost, not because there isn't a way out, but they refuse to change their perspective. They won't get a higher view. The same is true for these Beatitudes. They give you God's view. They change how you see everything. It's a pattern for how God wants you to live. And you're going to find also that this is the obedient life that lives life God's way and not just my way. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. Oh, we can all come up with things we think is the right direction. The problem is, it doesn't always work out, does it? Question for you. Any of you in here made a decision you've lived long enough to regret? <laughs> yeah, pretty much all of us, right? Maybe little ones, maybe big ones, maybe some of both, maybe a lot of either one. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not perfect, but you know what? You serve a God who is. He doesn't make mistakes. And so if he tells you you need to mourn over your sin, you need to mourn over your sin. If he tells you you need to be merciful because the person who desires mercy will receive mercy, you need to be merciful. If you need to live a righteous life, he's not telling you to kill your fun. He's telling you that the fun you think you're going to have in unrighteousness is going to kill you. So we have the beginnings. And when he saw the multitudes, he went up onto a mountain and he sat down. And his disciples came to him. There are several things here. Jesus is concerned about you. In the midst of all of these multitudes, Jesus was not just looking at a crowd. He wasn't just looking at a group of people scattered on a hillside. He was seeing every single face. Every life. Don't forget that God has that capacity. Because sometimes we start to think that God can't see me. Maybe God can't see you. He doesn't understand 
He couldn't tell the difference between someone who's distressed or demonly possessed or financially poor or rich or politically oppressed. He couldn't see the religiously insignificant. He didn't know the influential from the uninfluential. He couldn't tell the intellectuals from the non-intellectuals. Jesus, notice this, had compassion on the multitudes. Doesn't say, well, can we have all the smart people sit over here? Because it's going to be a small section. Just saying. We have all the pretty people here. That's going to last for a little while. Can we have all the old people over here? So you'll have the new pretty people in this group for a while, and then they're going to go over to the old people. You understand what I'm saying? It's like Jesus looks at the multitude, and whether you're young or old, or whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're rich or poor, whether you have favor in life or don't have favor in life, whether you're blessed or not blessed, Jesus looks at the multitude and says, y'all need to know these things. Amen? The standards for everyone, no matter where you are in this life that we live on this earth, We know that he's going to minister to the downcast, the sick, the hungry. You see, sometimes when I see this passage and I I begin to read it, it it reminds me really of music. You know, we're, we're blessed. We have this incredible worship team and musicians and all those kind of things. But can I tell you, music is not what you think it is. A lot of people, you know, it's like they pick up a chord book it's like G, C, D, A, F. Well, you can play the chords on a guitar, but it isn't going to come out as music. It's going to come out mechanical. Or you can straight up down strum, but it's not going to be all that beautiful. Doesn't mean it doesn't honor the Lord, by the way. But music is more than just certain notes, isn't it? It's feeling, it's tempo, it's intonation, it's volume. It has all kinds of different components to it. You can mechanically play a lot of things. You can sit down and, you know, it's like, okay, I'm watching this YouTube video and I've, I just hit these keys. And you can get Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata to come out, but it's going to lack feeling. Nobody's going to be moved by it because it's not coming from your heart. It's coming from your head. You're just doing it. It's mechanical. Jesus is about to tell us how to live life from the heart. He's going to change my attitudes. He's going to transform the way I think about virtually everything. And this is so important for us in this world. This is a very modern message. Because nothing is more challenging right now for believers than trying to be different than the world we live in. Amen? The world's trying to push you and shove you into its mold. And the devil's going, well, you're going to miss out. And Jesus is saying, no, you're not going to miss out. I want you to actually not be in there. I've called you out. That's what sanctified means, by the way. It means called out ones. 
It means removed ones. It means you're taken out of this world and you live a different life. That different life is going to have different standards. Those different standards are going to produce blessings that the world can't get. Amen? If we follow the Spirit, then our attitude changes. You you don't want to simply claim to follow the Spirit without obeying the letter of the law. Why? It makes you a liar. The letter of the law isn't always what Jesus lays down. You know how I know that? He hasn't killed me. Because the wages of sin is death. Sin should have taken me out day one. And yet I'm still here. He loves me. So there is a letter of the law. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift is life eternal in Christ Jesus. Amen? And to just follow the letter without listening to the Spirit, you end up a hypocrite. Because none of us do it perfectly. And so you start to pick and choose the things that you're going to follow. It's like, well, I'm really good at this. Yeah, but you know, you're kind of boastful and prideful. And besides that, you're arrogant. You're mean-spirited and nasty. And I'm not sure that draws anybody to Jesus. You've met people like that, haven't you? You talk to them, and oh, they can quote your Bible verses all day long. But it's always about what you shouldn't do and what you shouldn't be and how they are better than you, essentially. And what they're really saying is, my sin is really obvious. I'm just not going to tell you about it. (laughs) Amen? So be one who follows the letter of the law as best as you possibly can, but more importantly, walks in the Spirit so that you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's how it works. And you'll be blessed. Amen? So a little introduction here to the Beatitudes. We'll begin the actual passages next week. Pastor Chet will teach the first one. We are blessed. Amen? Why don't you stand? We'll close in prayer. You need prayer after service, prayer teams in the prayer room, uh, bookstore sales going on, pull your pickup trucks to the front doors, just throw that stuff in there. Get ready for our cafe remodel, amen. Father, we are so grateful that you desire to bless us, and we pray that those little attitudes that we have that are not your attitudes that we should be, they're not be attitudes, they're me attitudes. Lord, help me to get rid of my me attitudes and live your be attitudes. We love you. We thank you for the time in your word. Pray that you would instruct us and gift us, Lord, with the ability to be doers of the word. In Jesus' wonderful name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.